are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 215 and 216 of reading through the Bible in a year. But that's not what we're doing here. We're just talking through it. Thank you for joining us in the oral tradition. We are your storytellers, connecting the true story of God to the true story of humanity. True story, Matt. For serious? For true? For serial. All right, where are we? Our Old Testament reading for today is 1 Chronicles chapter 15 through 18. Ooh, okay. Yeah, a little little, hopeful. A little hopeful there. Chapter 15. Yes, we are talking about the rule and reign of the greatest king Israel ever had. Mm Mm-hmm. That is, before Jesus. Yes. Um, His domestic rule was under control, Mm -hmm. right? We're in chapter 15. It talks about his domestic rule. So he's building houses. He's having babies. The city's being built. If you're playing SimCity here, everything domestically is being taken care of. Yes. The difference with, uh, and it's so nice after reading Kings, all you read about is Mm -hmm. failure, 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 and idol worship and uh, offering up your children to... uh, fires of a false god it's nice to read oh and david was also creating a place for the ark he was also creating a tent for god he was reinstituting the law mm-hmm. reinstituting like oh here's how we move the ark he actually took the episode where god was angry and killed uzziah yes and he took it seriously and, and it's so nice to see from it. he learned from it and he comes back and he goes we are going to move that ark but now we're prepared to do it and i was relating that last time to we get excited spiritually, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm and then we run into it, and then we're immediately confronted, actually, with our um, ignorance about who God is and yes. how we're going to... It's, it's like someone going, yeah, I want to go to the beach with you. And then they show up without a swimming suit, without a towel, and no sunblock, mm-hmm. and no food, and nothing. And you're like, okay... You can't go to the beach with us today, yes. but it's very simple. I want you to come to the beach mm-hmm. with me. Go get these things. Mm-hmm. And we get devastated by that when we think it's just enough to have good intentions to follow God. Right. God's like, I love it. Now go get yourself ready, yes. and we'll have a great day in the presence <laughs> of the Almighty, yeah. because otherwise you will die of hunger, thirst, and sunburn. But we get crushed in our little spirit. It's like, oh, it's so hard to follow God. It's like, yes, but it's really easy. Just go get the stuff you need. David does it. Yeah, he actually does a, he makes a, an official announcement that the, only the Levites are allowed to handle the things yes, of God check. and the ark. Uh, we're actually going to carry it the way it was supposed to be carried. We went and researched and studied and did what we needed to do, so no one will die again after yeah. handling the ark. Awesome. And now we can bring it into the city and have God being in the city with us. And so he consecrates, he says, consecrate yourself, Levites. Mm-hmm. I realize I can't just have whoever. And so they all do, and then they consecrate, and he basically creates, like, and he's going to be creating these great worship services. He creates, like, a, kind of like a symphony yeah. to, like, usher the ark into the city. And you start to realize, like, in the middle of this section, or actually it's 16, I think, but still, he's writing the Psalms. He's yeah. connecting to the importance of the means of grace. That means where God says, I will be with you. Here's how we can enjoy the beach. Yes. Here's how you live in the presence of God, and you do it the way I told you to. And that's not because I'm a tyrant. It's because 
there's a right way and a wrong way. I know mm-hmm. that's shocking to our minds now because we we're so busy saying everybody's diverse and it's all it doesn't matter. There is no truth, but no, there is a right and a wrong mm-hmm. with God, and uh, its consequences are death or life. So David, then you see David in the rare move for a king, dressing like a priest. Yeah. So he like I mean he goes. It's very interesting because I actually see all three offices yes. being played out. Yeah. And um, and they are and. The prophet, priest, and king. And mm. so the two, the most obvious one is king, because he's the king. Yes. But then he, he wears the linen ephod yes. of the priest, and is he's organizing and structuring the worship service of leading the temple in. Around the word of God. Around the word of God. And then he's writing the Psalms, and as we've begun to see, as we engage the prophets, a lot of them use poetry and music to announce the word of God to the people. And so David is writing these psalms, announcing the truths of God to the people. And uh, one of the things I thought was interesting um, in chapter 16, when he appoints the Levites as ministers into the ark, Yes, he invite, uh, and these are the guys who are in charge of the music. And the music is to invoke, to thank, and to praise God. Yes. So the music invites God's presence, it thanks him, and then it praises him. It's awesome. Very interesting. Very cool. So it's like the music invites, you thank him, and then you praise Praise. him. So God, join us. Thank you for always joining us and making that possible, and we praise you. Yeah. There you go. Well, not only is it showing the order of like a prayer, David is leading us into even some of the rudimentary ideas of worship. If you've ever wondered... Why do we sing at church? Mm-hmm. Why do we um, read the Word of God? Why do we talk about these things or give thanks? You know, it's like these are some of the basic elements of worship. And the reason we do is because God says this is how it is done. Mm-hmm. It's not up to you. Well, then in, um, as he comes back, he's dressed like a priest. He's a unique king. And, of course, this is all... David is the coolest, best king ever mm-hmm. until Jesus. But he is... Showing the leading the way um, to the eternal king, Jesus. But um, this is the best we could ever do in terms of a human king, right? Yes, yes. Well, he's hated by his wife, who's Saul's daughter. At the very end, it just was like she despised him, which you understand why. Her dad and her whole line has been overtaken and destroyed. And so she hates him. And then she sees him enjoying acting like a fool, dressed Mm -hmm. in a like a priest, like she does not get it at all, no. which of course is what happens to Christians when we start making the word of God central to our lives. Mm-hmm. The people outside of that who grew up outside of it are going to be like, why are you humiliating yourself? Why are you being humble? Why are you giving mm-hmm. deference to this God? You're losing your own power. Why are you not just fulfilling all the lusts of your flesh and doing whatever you want? You're crazy. Yes. And are you saying I'm bad? Yes. Well, I hate you then. Okay. Mm. So chapter 16 gets interesting, doesn't it? This is where uh, he wants to put the ark. David puts the ark in a tent, and I realized they have not moved the tabernacle. Yeah. He builds like a goat hair tent place for it, mm -hmm. but the real one is still at... uh, Gibeon. Yeah. The tabernacle's at Gibeon, and he moves the ark into... Where exactly is the Gibeon? Like, is it... Um, Do you know where that is? I don't know where the map is. I'll I'll look it up. But if I remember correctly, the Gibeonites, were they not the ones that tricked 
uh, Joshua into making an alliance with them. I think so. Pretending that they were from far away and yeah. not part of the Canaanite. Well, while you're looking that up, though, the idea that was kind of shocking for me was thinking, I was just figured David moved the whole tabernacle. Mm-hmm. But the tabernacle is at Gibeon, mm-hmm. which is kind of, it's not far away from Jerusalem. I mean, it is far, but... It's central. It's still in central Canaan. It's, um, it's kind of close to where they originally crossed over... It looks like a solid 20 to 30 miles away, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, but still, this sets up two places of worship. Yes. So I don't know if you often think of that. So you have the, the ark now being moved to the new city of David, the new capital city, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But there's still the tabernacle, which was given in detail how to build it mm-hmm. while in the desert. It's still a place. Yes. And we're a couple hundred years removed from Joshua, at least, if not 400. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. Because the, the judges and everything, 400 yeah. years. So you still have this tabernacle. And you start to think about that. It's so mm-hmm. crazy. Like, these sacred places are kind of starting to add up, yeah. like, all throughout the land, mm-hmm. scattered. And we know from the kings that they will become places of idolatry. But mm-hmm. uh, it kind of helps my mind figure out how Israel is looking mm-hmm. under this. So he sets that up, writes a beautiful psalm, and makes me think of like how important the sacred songs are. Yes, and that there is a difference. I, used, mm-hmm. you know, I still think like secular and sacred is a division that is a result of our sin, but in reality, everything under the reign of Christ, everything we do is sacred. Yes, right. But there are sacred songs. I like that. So he sets up two places of worship. Really, there's before the ark, and then, um, but then. He sets up a, a worship service at the end of 16, back at Obed-Edom. So he sets up a whole worship service as they bring the ark in, right? With mm-hmm. sacred music and all mm-hmm. this amazing stuff. But then in, in, in verse, um, well, chapter 16, verse 37, he left Asaph and his brothers there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. But Which he is says, now in Jerusalem. And he says, and also Obed-Edom and his 68 brothers, like, I thought there was... So Obed Edom is where it was. Well, that's the that's a person. Obed Edom is a person. Uh-huh. Obed Edom uh, was the house of the person that it was at for a while. That it was blessing, and they're they're a, a Levitical family. And since it was at their place for three months, uh, David allows them to continue to guard it and minister gotcha. before it here's, in Jerusalem. Here's what it is. It's the next verse. He left Zadok the priest and his brothers, the high the priests, before the tabernacle of the Lord. At Gibeon. In at Gibeon. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. So Asaph or so um, uh, Asaph and Abiathar are at, at the ark, and Zadok is at um, Gibeon with the tabernacle. Okay. So all that to say, David is is really organizing worship, and the mm-hmm. chronicler is showing how important worship is. Yes. But in 17, you get the Lord's um, covenant with David because he says, I need, David's feeling like, I need to build a temple. I need to build a, I'm living in a house of cedar. Mm-hmm. And then Nathan at first says, do what's in your heart, but then has a vision that night where God speaks to Nathan and basically says, You're, uh, tell David he's not the guy. Right. Which is a little bit devastating, but, um, but not. But, he, but then he makes a covenant with David saying, yeah. You're not the guy, but you will have a son who I will establish his reign forever yeah. and all this stuff. And and whenever God 
kind of gives like a prophetic thing. There's always a both and. Like he's mm-hmm. talking about now and later. Yeah, he's talking about Solomon, but he's also talking about Jesus. Right. Well, <clears throat> I was thinking about Jesus when you hear God basically say, "Look, I can be I can live in a tent a little longer. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the hurry. It's okay." And what I first time I really heard is God saying, "I can be a nomad a little longer." Mm-hmm. Then I thought about Jesus, who didn't have a place of his own. Oh, yeah. Jesus wandered as a true Jew mm-hmm. in the promised land without a home. He was a nomad. I oh, never connected that. I never that. thought about Oh, wow. But why didn't Jesus build a temple? Hmm. Why didn't he build a temple to himself? Because he was creating his followers mm-hmm. to be the temple of God. Yes. That was so cool. I just connected that this morning. Like, oh, man, of course Jesus doesn't have a place to lay his head. Birds mm-hmm. have... Houses and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head because he's a true Jew. He's a nomad, just like God, waiting for the proper time for his temple to be made on earth as it is in heaven. And this time around, Jesus builds the most beautiful and unending temple that can never be broken or attacked or fallen in his people. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. So he cleanses us and yeah, prepares that's us. That's really great. And so the same thing David does once he hears this. And there's a little bit more. He starts uh, preparing like the, the international relationships and taking over and, and uh, putting them at bay or dominating them to bring in for worship. Like He's doing everything outside and inside as a king to prepare mm-hmm. for the building of the temple. There'll be a season where that can happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And okay. I feel like Jesus does that too. Like Before he builds his temple in us, he did all this work where he battled Satan mm-hmm. and he showed himself mm-hmm. to the world, domestic and international relationships as our king. See, it's pretty yes. cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, then Nathan's vision comes to, uh, he give, tells David, and then David has a whole response where the Lord talks to him in 18, right? Huh? Or is that 17? Yeah. So it, it's 17. Throughout 17. So yeah, David so. then um, gives this amazing prayer of thanks, saying, like, Who am I, God, that you have favor on me? And he gives uh, thanks and praise to God through it all. And then in 18, he then continues, uh, the chronicler then continues his uh, military successes That's in securing right. the borders and basically preparing the way for his son Solomon That's to right. create and build the temple. Yeah. And David's response, though, in chapter 17, that's what I, I was forgetting. He's like, who am I? Mm-hmm. I'm just a shepherd boy. Awesome. Like, I love David's response yeah. to this. Like, this is the kind of king we have. He puts himself under the rule of God, mm-hmm. which is what all the kings could not do when faced with riches and power. Um, yeah, and then the details of conquest. The only thing that jumped out of me in chapter 18 that I really liked was um, the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. Yes. It says that in the middle and at the very end. And so, again, he's... He's building wealth, allies, uh, even slave labor, and becomes a great power. But he offers it all to the Lord. So as he's winning victories, he's building uh, gold things for the temple. He's offering yeah, it he's to the Yeah, he's saving up for the building of the temple for he's, the next generation. He's packing his lunch and yeah. saving up for the next generation, which, again, That's is great. like another perfect king yeah. move. Yeah. What king thinks about the next generation and the next king? You yeah. know, Even our, our all of our presidents... They are, they'll get the next president in trouble if it helps mm-hmm. them now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't yeah. care. Um, so David's reign, it even says, was of justice, equity, order to all his people. And uh, everything was a gift where David's able to say, praise God. So 
there is a foretaste of a better king. If you can even imagine a better king in Jesus is what we have. But we praise God for uh, David and that God has kept a remnant of his people and provided someone like David even back then to give us a little taste of what Jesus would be for us. So multiply David by, I don't know, a perfect number, thousand. Cool. Thanks, Chronicler. Moving on to our New Testament reading today, which is? Our New Testament reading for today is Romans chapter 16 and 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 1 through 17. So we'll wait and sing our We Just Finished a Book Today until we finish with chapter 16 of the great book or letter, really, written to the Romans, the Christians in this area of Rome by Paul. Mm Mm-hmm. And in chapter 16, you get a sense of um, the community that yeah. he's a part of. So, like, again, this we don't believe this is written to a specific church. It's, it's really written to a specific region of Christians. And many of them don't, have never met Paul. Right. And so um, what do you do when you're introducing or writing to somebody that you don't know? I always, like on a text, mm-hmm. whenever I have to text someone brand new, yeah. I'm like, hey, hey, let's say, hey, um, Give me a name. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Uh, this is Adam. I'm a friend of Matt's. Mm-hmm. Matt gave me your number yes. to reach out to you about this. Oh, hey, Adam. Matt told me you were calling. You know, yeah, and yeah. Thanks, Joe. Um, and so you got this at the end of Romans where Paul is really validating, giving credentials on like, I just told you guys some mind-blowing stuff. Yes. I, I laid out the gospel for you, the mystery of the gospel. I'm for you. And then he drops 26 names mm-hmm. of Jews, women, mixed in with some crazy um, like Greek God names, right? Mm-hmm. So like he, servants and stuff. He's like slaves. living the dream. Like Paul is doing the whole unity in the gospel thing mm-hmm. as seen even in his like personal, hey, shout out to my friends. Yes. And I thought that was really cool. Like he's living it at yeah. the end of it. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I think it's cool too, like, uh, Phoebe, a servant of the church of, uh, uh, I don't even know, Senkre? You know, you always just say it with confidence. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't know, they don't know. Uh, and Fee- and she's, the idea is she's the one who's carrying this letter. And so Phoebe yeah. is carrying the letter of the Romans to that region because she knows some people up there and knows who to give it to, right. uh, which is cool. And again, it's just, again, he has this very broad group of people that are working with him that he's known that he's built relationships with who are all one under Christ. Yeah, and so there there's just house churches at this time and mm-hmm. it sounds like women and men are making it work, mm-hmm. doing whatever they have to do to gather in houses and homes over the Lord's Supper, over baptism, over the reading of God's word, these letters and Paul is helping to guide their worship. It's pretty cool. He does say in his greetings to these 26 folks, which I, wouldn't it be cool to have your name listed in there? Yeah. Forever and ever. Or I play the game, choose who would you want to be? What name would you want to have out of all these? I think Olympus is a pretty oh, good name. That's yeah, what I stole I was it from going you. with. Uh, let me choose you. Flagon. I think your name is uh, Am- Ampliatus. No, Flagon. Or, okay, you can call me Urbanus. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Philogus. <laughs> Apolis. Anyway, that's fun. We should play that on our own time. Uh, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss, and all the churches of Christ greet you. And so this idea of unity, yeah. and it's like a familial kiss, you know. Mm-hmm. 
a holy kiss. And then he does give like one final uh, like little warning of. It's, it's hey, what I, it, I've I've talked to you all about unity, unity, yes. unity. Beware of disunity well, and division. It's what I do when my daughter leaves. Once once you have a kid that drives, every time they leave, I'm like, hey, I love you. Be safe. Mm-hmm. And then because I'm a pastor, I'm a little extra. So I'm like, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, protect this girl. I love her in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Um, and he's saying the same thing. He's mm-hmm. like, I appeal to you, brothers, just please watch out for divisions mm-hmm. that uh, create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you've been taught. So it's like, here's how you know you're in a bad place. It's dividing you from people who are trusting in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's dividing you from the message of Christ alone. It's adding more. It's taking away. And avoid them because yes. they're not serving our Lord, please. And they're going to be smooth talkers and um, they're going to be better at deceiving your heart because they're out for money. And, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, it's just like the difference between our church and a company like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is making money. They have a product to sell. So the way they present it is going to be flattering and try to woo you over to their product. The Christian church is not like that. And so when you start applying those mess, those themes to the Christian church, yeah, the true doctrine is going to seem like, oh, it's, it's spoken by kind of silly people who aren't perfect and they aren't even great speakers, whereas, you know, another company can do it a lot better. Anyway, I think he's saying watch out for that. Yes. What are you thinking? You're, just, you're staring at me like, what are you doing? Yes. <clears throat> no. Does that not make sense? No, you're good. Okay, whatever. Sorry. You know what? I, I'm feeling <laughs> division right here. It uh, looks like Paul's message couldn't be more appropriate. Well, we have to get into Corinthians too. So. Well, yeah, yeah. So I do want to like land uh, the my one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. What is uh, in yeah Romans sixteen twenty? Uh, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Oh yeah. And again, just this idea that God uses us and uses our unity and uses us as His temple and as His church to crush satan yes awesome which is amazing and then the beautiful doxology to end the book of romans as we Mm -hmm. as we end it now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of jesus christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations see this is the mystery it's for the whole world we are the ones now who carry and the message of Jesus Christ crushing Satan. He says, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. I love it. Amen. All nations through obedience of faith, bringing glory to God through Jesus Christ in the church. There's the book of Romans. We just finished it. We just finished Romans. We just finished Romans. We just finished Romans. But there's a more to go. I wanted to have it like not um, sound good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> uh, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. It did not sound good uh, because the worse it sounds, the more glory the power of God gets. Uh, according to Paul, Paul now moves into First Corinthians. What are we reading today in First Corinthians? It's, oh, I already said. It. So First yeah, Corinthians oh, yeah, chapter one, one uh, verse one through seventeen. So some setup, Matt, for this book. Yeah, First Corinthians. I'm pretty sure it was written before Romans. Oh, well, I was reading that Romans was written while he was in Corinth. That's what I read. Really? Yeah, like really? some people think that he, <laughs> really? was, he was in Corinth 
while composing a letter to the Romans. Okay, well, it seems to be that it could have been written around the same time. Yeah. So... Because see, if I found it up here... Uh, it says, 55, 55. Yeah, 55. Okay. So, uh, 1 Corinthians, though, is written while he is in Ephesus. Uh, okay. Spending three years in Ephesus. So, Corinthians, he had spent a year and a half, which is the second longest amount of time he uh, spent in any place. He mm-hmm. had a year and a half of building and establishing this church, working with them. So, again... He's put a lot of time and effort, relatively speaking, into this church of Corinth. Okay. And uh, he's actually just across the sea in Ephesus, and he's able to send letters back and forth very easily through ship. And uh, ev- and what we think is 1 Corinthians that we have, what we call 1 Corinthians, is actually not even the first letter that he wrote to right. them. Well, it's a response to a letter he got back. But, but before I even get there... so. Corinth is in modern day Greece, like Greece or mm-hmm. something, and so um, it's by I think the Mediterranean. Yes, we'll double check that. But the idea though of this city is that people have come to know Christ here to the point where there's house churches, mm-hmm. and but the the normal everyday life of this area is um, because it's a port city is around temple idolatrous worship, like they believe yes. in the gods. So you have settlers and travelers and slaves, all kind of the rhythm of daily life is to gather at the temple so the rich people would be able to afford a Mm -hmm. meal of meat at the temple. But the temples to the different gods were restaurants. You have to imagine, like we have our restaurant row. They had their temples to all sorts of gods, and that's also their restaurant and their uh, meeting place, their hangout area, their, their downtown. Yeah, so there was at least 12 pagan temples in Corinth. Um, so imagine 12 it, restaurants on restaurant row yeah. hopping all the I, time. It, it's, com- it's like a seaport town that yeah. uh, could be relatively compared to like New Orleans or something like that. So in these types of places, there is the opportunity for wild disorder mm-hmm. and for um, a lot of different classes of people and different subsets and groups. And so... I mean, the, their most famous temple in that area was the temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Right. So there's a lot of uh, uh, temple prostitution. So there's, you have your one-stop, your original mall. Yeah. You got your food, you got your worship, you got your, um, all your hanging out with people, mm-hmm. socializing, and then you got your sexual district, everything happening in one place. And so um, the fact that Christ, the message of Jesus, even got into this place is mm-hmm. kind of amazing. It is. Because Jesus says all those gods are false and mm-hmm. abstain from sexual impurity and abstain from all this stuff. So you can just tell setting up, this place is going to be difficult. And to top it all off, we know uh, one of the biggest challenges to Christianity is wealth. Mm-hmm. So the people he's writing to, <laughs> on top of all this confusion, are wealthy. Yes, which is very difficult. It's hard for um, a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because he relies on his wealth and his own self. So, and it's been probably about six years since he's been there. Right. So that's just the setup. And then mm-hmm. it's very easy today because he opens up in kind of a classic Pauline. Yeah, very letter, basic letter format. Like, because, again, it's, 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 this one's to a specific place, mm-hmm. but it's also, I think he has in mind, it will be read for the edification of other believers yes. too. But this is in response. So he does this classic, um, you are all called, like here's who a real saint is, mm-hmm. people who call on the Lord. 
And then he does his grace and peace, which I believe is his Greek and, and Jew, Jew, his Jew and yes. Gentile, um, two major ideas culturally mm-hmm. combining in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he gives thanks for them. Yes. And uh, at least the way I read this, he's like, you know, you all lack nothing. For people who are concerned about missing out mm-hmm. and wealth, when you're a rich person, yeah. you don't you don't want to use the old iPhone. You mm-hmm. need the new iPhone. Mm-hmm. That might hurt some of you because you get the new iPhone every time it comes out. And I intend to hurt you. Um, just kidding. I don't intend to hurt you. But they're wondering, are we missing out? Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, you have all the spiritual gifts as you wait for the return of Christ. And by the way, it's Christ who will sustain you. And so I feel like all their issues are kind of met in this... Uh, Little things. Yeah. Like these greed, this kind of greeting. Um, and then he's, he ends with like... Uh, or at well, least... And then he goes into what the issue is, which right. is coming out of Romans... Seems to be the main issue that Paul's kind of concerned about. Yes. Unity. He's like, uh, Chloe was telling me that there's been uh, some divisions among the oh, church. So, div- I mean, it's so funny now because we act shocked. Like, Christians in churches should all get along. If they say they're Christian, why can't they get along? It's like, read the Bible. Yeah. Because we are broken. In our, yeah. our sinfulness is an actual disease mm-hmm. that we're fighting against. So yes, it rears its ugly head. Stop being shocked by, by um, disunity. Mm-hmm. And then read the scriptures. Because mm-hmm. Paul is helping us walk through the uh, very natural desire to divide. Yeah, and so the first basic division that he kind of comes across is... Who do you, f- people are saying they follow different people. Can I say something about Chloe? Yeah. I like this as a model. I've never thought of this. Because hmm. you know how many times, I've been in ministry for I don't know how many years now, and people say something, they make an accusation about a person, yes. but don't say it's me. Yeah. And our example is Chloe and her people. So the idea yeah. is she probably had travelers mm-hmm. going to buy things for her from the city, came back and told her about the divisions. And Paul doesn't say, someone says, you guys have division. Yeah. I don't want to say. It's like, no, if you're going to accuse somebody, yeah. you got to come out and say, I accuse you of being unfaithful, Matt. Yeah. And here's why. You do not get to be like, well, don't an- anonymous accusations within mm-hmm. the church. No. If you have a problem with a brother, you're supposed to confront him. You're mm-hmm. supposed to go to him in the name of Jesus and then with others in a spirit of submission and love. Mm-hmm. And so I just like that right out of the gate. He's like, I'm not going to hide from you what I've heard and who I've heard it from. Right. Chloe's people say, you're all getting uptight about who you follow. Yeah. Apollos. Seth, Cephas. Cephas, which is Peter. Paul. Peter. Mary. Yeah. He's like, and he just gets down to, right to the core of like, dude, he hey, gets to it. Uh, it's Christ that we're in this. Did you get, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Right. Or Apollos? No. You were baptized in the name of Christ. And That's your leader. Yes. We are... There is no division. Yeah. It should be done because we are all following Christ. And then he, yeah, when he, then he kind of gets into, like, I don't think I baptized most of you anyway because they're thinking, mm-hmm. who baptized you? And he's saying, no, it's not who baptized you. It's who you were baptized, baptized into. into. And for your sake, I'm glad I only baptized a few of you. I don't even remember. And I think he's doing that as a yeah. device to say, I can't even remember because it's not important mm-hmm. who did it. It's important who into, and you were baptized into Christ. Yes. I kind of, I really like that. Um, the power is the cross. So divisions undercut our baptism into Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that he's saying is like when we are divided over things we like or don't like, it's um, hurting our baptism. 
And then he, he says something interesting about like, I'm not that eloquent. I'm not oh, that yeah. great of a preacher. And I'm glad because uh, the cross of Christ would be emptied of its power. Mm-hmm. And my last note on that is, as a person who does preach, I often feel inadequate. I often feel I could have done better. I often feel ashamed even because it wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. But where my faith rests is that the word of God always creates. And that's what Paul's saying, is that the word of God, the power of the cross of Christ is not going to fail when the cross of Christ is presented to his people. Mm-hmm. God uses it. Right, yeah. And that's why we don't follow the cool guy. We, we, we receive where we are. You know, I mean, we don't... Unless I'm the cool guy for you, then come to my church. <laughs> but but yeah, we don't get uptight about who's presenting the word of God. Rather, we listen to what they're saying and is it the word of God? Right. Oh, it is. Maybe I don't like his personality that much. Maybe I thought he was a little boring, but it's the word of God. Mm-hmm. Praise be God. Yes. Thank you, Paul. We enjoy this letter so far. Yeah. And forgive us for our divisions and unite us. That is a prayer I pray frequently, mm. to be united within the church. Yeah, I agree. Here we go. Our psalm for today will be Psalm 90, chapter 11 through 17. This is the continuation of a psalm of Moses. Oh, cool. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.